Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. I will be reading 2 Samuel chapter 3 from the World English Bible. Now, there was long war between Saul's house and David's house. David grew stronger and stronger, but Saul's house grew weaker and weaker. Sons were born to David in Hebron. His firstborn was Amnon of Ahinoam the Jezreelitess, and his second, Chiliab of Abigail, the wife of Nabal the Carmelite, and the third, Absalom, the son of Maaka, the daughter of Talmai, king of Geshur, and the fourth, Adonijah, the son of Haggith, and the fifth, Shephatiah, the son of Abital, and the sixth, Ithraim of Eglah, David's wife. These were born to David in Hebron. While there was war between Saul's house and David's house, Abner made himself strong in Saul's house. Now Saul had a concubine whose name was Rizpah, the daughter of Aiah, and Ishbosheth said to Abner, Why have you gone into my father's concubine? Then Abner was very angry about Ishbosheth's words and said, Am I a dog's head that belongs to Judah? Today I show kindness to Saul's house, your father, to his brothers and to his friends, and have not delivered you into the hand of David, and yet you charge me today with a fault concerning this woman? God do so to Abner, and more also, if, as Yahweh has sworn to David, I don't do even so to him, to transfer the kingdom from Saul's house, and to set up David's throne over Israel and over Judah, from Dan even to Beersheba. He could not answer Abner another word because he was very afraid of him. Abner sent messengers to David on his behalf, saying, Whose is the land? And saying, Make your alliance with me, and behold, my hand will be with you to bring all Israel around to you. He said, Good, I will make a treaty with you, but one thing I require of you, that is, you will not see my face unless you first bring Michal, Saul's daughter, when you come to see my face. David sent messengers to Ishbosheth, Saul's son, saying, Deliver me my wife Michal, whom I was given to marry for one hundred foreskins of the Philistines. Ishbosheth sent and took her from her husband, even from Paltiel, the son of Laish. Her husband went with her, weeping as he went, and followed her to Bahurim. Then Abner said to him, Go, return. And he returned. Abner had communication with the elders of Israel, saying, In times past you sought for David to be king over you. Now then do it, for Yahweh has spoken of David, saying, By the hand of my servant David I will save my people Israel out of the hand of the Philistines and out of the hand of all their enemies. Abner also spoke in the ears of Benjamin, and Abner went also to speak in the ears of David in Hebron all that seemed good to Israel and to the whole house of Benjamin. So Abner came to David to Hebron and twenty men with him. David made Abner and the men who were with him a feast. Abner said to David, I will arise and go and will gather all Israel to my lord the king that they may make a covenant with you and that you may reign over all that your soul desires. 
David sent Abner away, and he went in peace. Behold, David's servants and Joab came from a raid and brought a great plunder with them. But Abner was not with David in Hebron, for he had sent him away, and he had gone in peace. When Joab and all the army who was with him had come, they told Joab, Abner the son of Ner came to the king, and he has sent him away, and he has gone in peace. Then Joab came to the king and said, What have you done? Behold, Abner came to you. Why is it that you have sent him away and he is already gone? You know Abner the son of Ner. He came to deceive you and to know you're going out and you're coming in and to know all that you do. When Joab had come out from David, he sent messengers after Abner and they brought him back from the well of Sirah. But David didn't know it. When Abner was returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside into the middle of the gate to speak with him quietly, and struck him there in the body so that he died, for the blood of Asahel his brother. Afterward, when David heard it, he said, I and my kingdom are guiltless before Yahweh forever of the blood of Abner the son of Ner. Let it fall on the head of Joab and on all his father's house. Let there not fail from the house of Joab one who has a discharge, or who is a leper, or who leans on a staff, or who falls by the sword, or who lacks bread. So Joab and Abishai his brother killed Abner, because he had killed their brother Asahel at Gibeon in the battle. David said to Joab and to all the people who were with him, Tear your clothes, and clothe yourselves with sackcloth, and mourn in front of Abner. King David followed the buyer. They buried Abner in Hebron, and the king lifted up his voice and wept at Abner's grave. And all the people wept. The king lamented for Abner and said, Should Abner die as a fool dies? Your hands weren't bound and your feet weren't put into fetters. As a man falls before the children of iniquity, so you fell. All the people wept again over him. All the people came to urge David to eat bread while it was yet day. But David swore, saying, God, do so to me and more also if I taste bread or anything else until the sun goes down. All the people took notice of it, and it pleased them, as whatever the king did pleased all the people. So all the people and all Israel understood that day that it was not of the king to kill Abner the son of Ner. The king said to his servants, Don't you know that a prince and a great man has fallen today in Israel? I am weak today, though anointed king. These men, the sons of Zariah, are too hard for me. May Yahweh reward the evildoer according to his wickedness. That is the end of chapter 3. Recall in 2 Samuel chapter 2 that it says that David was king in Hebron for seven and a half years. So this doesn't seem like a really impressive number of sons from six wives in seven years. Now, it doesn't list the daughters, so he either had a lot of daughters or he wasn't blessed with very many children. It is very normal for women to have children at least every three to four years, and I see no reason to think they would use birth control at that time. In that day and age, lots of children were considered a blessing. It's also hard to imagine that all, let alone the majority of his wives, had fertility issues. Of course, we are not given details, so we can't know for sure, but all of the stories in the Bible that we do have of barren women, everyone from Sarah, Rachel, Rebecca, Hannah, and even Elizabeth in the New Testament, indicate that this was not the norm. 
the story about the concubine, Saul's concubine, Rizpah, is nitty-gritty. It is generally accepted, I've heard it from multiple sources over the years, that the wives of the previous king either went to the next king or they stayed widows. It was considered a consolidation of power. If you got a wife of a previous king, it gave you some standing. At least, in the very least, the way the story is told, this was an illicit relationship, so it was morally wicked. Then Abner's reaction indicates that to have it brought forth as an accusation was a big problem. Now, if it was just a power play by Abner, why wouldn't he simply say something to the effect, well, I'm really the one in charge here, so I can do whatever I want? No, it was so severe of an accusation that he completely abandoned Saul's son, who, remember, is his, Abner's, like second or third cousin. Ishbosheth was probably the next generation younger and is obviously terrified of Abner, so that makes me wonder what possessed him to say anything in the first place. Then you have the whole issue of David asking for a callback. Why would he do that? Again, there was probably something about a statement of power, at least in part, although there was an indication in earlier parts of their story that they did like each other, especially by the fact that Mikkel did warn David about her father trying to kill him. But David does mention the Philistines' foreskins, which kind of put it in the political arena to be of a political nature. And the whole story makes me happy that I am not a king's daughter who just gets passed around for political maneuvering. And since her marriages were political in nature, that was probably the case with her second husband as well. Although he could have come to care for her. However, his sorrow seems to be more drama than real. Just the way that it describes it, it seems like he gives up so easily. But we don't hear anything more about him. And we're also not given any indication here of how McCall felt about it. Now, Abner's offer of alliance with David has all the appearance of being straightforward, contrary to Joab's accusation, which brings me to the point of questioning why Joab and Abishai are so bothered that Abner killed their brother. Joab killed many of the men of the tribe of Benjamin, who were Abner's close kin too. It just seems like an excuse to go killing again, and it goes against the command that God gave of do not avenge. To put it another way, they were all soldiers involved in battles constantly and with each other, and it borders on the ridiculous to get offended because a certain person was killed. It's not like he was the king or even high-ranking. It is good to see that David had truly been seeking peace. It seems that he wanted all of Israel to know that that, as he stepped into the office over the whole nation— He makes this clear by fasting the rest of the day, which for a king to be humble and deprived this way is a big deal. But I'm not impressed with his statement, his cop-out as far as I can see, where he says, I am weak today, though anointed. He is weak by choice as far as I can see, because he is anointed by Yahweh. Surely the living God could have given him wisdom and opportunity for how to deal with Joab. And while on one hand I think that's a valid point, I also think it's always easy to see and say from the sidelines what people should have done. When I read stories like this with David or like when the Israelites were in the wilderness after seeing all the great things that God did in Egypt, it reminds me to be careful to remember God's promises and his mighty works. It can be very easy to get caught up in the moment 
of what the stress of the day and neglect to live and trust according to the foundations of truth that we know we have in our God and Savior. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey. 